Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Jordan Edwards, alongside Demi Ramos. Apparently, I'm very caffeinated. Speaking really quickly today. Really big show today, really excited. Uh, one of the biggest bands of the 90s and 2000s is here today. Part of my childhood, and the songs are inescapable. I'm talking about the Goo Goo Dolls, and today we are really lucky to have founding member, bassist, Robbie Takek here. So, Robbie, why don't you come on out? Thank you for joining us. How you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thanks. Love the hair. I appreciate well, that. A, uh, I've been in quarantine a long time, you know, and uh, uh, so I wasn't dying it for a long time. And uh, to be honest with you, it kind of turned a nice shade of white, and I knew white would take color nice. So <laughs> you go so from that, that kind of like Edgar Winter look, you know. <laughs> Uh, Robbie, you're here. You're here. Uh, you guys, the Goo Goo Dolls, have a new Rarities album out, compiling a live versions and rare studio recordings from There's the album cover right there. Really cool album cover. It's interesting to me how these things come together. How did you go about you and John putting together this collection? You know, you have 35 years of recordings to choose from. So how did you put this together? This is kind of one of those things that kind of came together uh, sort of outside of John and I, quite honestly. My my manager was sort of moving some stuff around and he found this huge box of uh, DAT tapes. I don't know if you remember DAT tapes or not, but he I found know this DAT huge tapes. box. Yeah, yeah, he found a huge box of DAT tapes in his office and uh, he had been looking at them for years, but nobody really has DAT players anymore. So John uh, bought him a DAT player and Pat just started going through listening to stuff. And he called us at one point and said, wow, there's actually some fun stuff here, you know? And uh, so we uh, took his advice actually as to what to put on the record. And, uh, you know, a lot of it's, you know, stuff that, uh, you know, we had never heard before, quite honestly, it just ended up in his office somehow and, and uh, sat there for, you know, a decade or so. So, so, you know, some, there were some nice surprises there for us too. Now you guys made your name, your, your biggest hits um, sounded a certain way, but the band had a very different sound at the beginning and you get some of this uh, one of the early tracks on, we got the track list for it. And by the way, it comes out tomorrow on yeah. June 25th. That's not, that's not forget that, uh, <laughs> that it comes out tomorrow. And you have a track on here, um, Hit or Miss, which is very, I would almost describe it as Dead Kennedys meets Motley Crue is kind of with the way I kind of think of your early, <laughs> your early like harder punk sound. So uh, when you listen to those early recordings from the 80s, how does it feel? What do you think? Well, that song was actually a cover of a damned song that uh, came out many years ago. We did that in a session. Um, with Rob Cavallo, who ended up working on, and uh, a guy named Jerry Finn, who's actually passed away a few years ago, producer, engineer. Um, but, you know, the guys were really influential in sort of shaping the way, you know, modern pop punk sounded. You know, they were, they did the first uh, couple Green Day records and, and uh, you know, Jerry Finn worked with all the Orange County bands and such. So we had just finished making Boyne and Goo, and uh you know the big song oh, on so, that record so that, so that wasn't even from the 80s that was from the boy named goo era yeah so, that was from wow. the, yeah that was a, yeah, yeah but it was but it was sort of a direct reaction 
to the fact that the hit song on that record was an acoustic track called Name. And yeah, Robbie, I, yeah. I have a I have a story. I, I was playing air hockey with my cousin Steve, Stephen, <laughs> and we were probably twelve years old. And Name came on the radio, and I made a stop to play air hockey, and I said, Stephen listen to this song. This is a great song. And we sat there at the air hockey table and listened to name all the way through as it played on the radio. So, um, well, that's the, my well, name. well, I'll tell you the fact that we stopped an air hockey game is maybe that's one of the, the highest compliments I mean, I what think that's ever been paid. Play, what 12 year old doesn't love air hockey, you know? So yeah, <laughs> that's a good sign. Of, that's a sign of a good song. Yeah, totally. Speaking of the early days before the Goo Goo Dolls, there was this little band called the sex Magazine. No, yeah, I do. We'll we'll deny it, but yeah, it was. Can you tell us a little bit about this project? Well, it was just us when we were kids. You know, we were trying to figure out what we were doing, and you know, playing a a lot of songs that were fast and I don't know, sort of like angry, the way nineteen-year-olds get angry, you know, and um, you know. So, I mean, I think we had. Uh, you know, I think we had a different idea in mind when we, when we first got together. But, you know, the you know the thing about my band, and the only reason we changed our name was because the local paper wouldn't print that in the in the paper. So so we found another one, and they, which happened to be Goo Goo Dolls. And uh, we liked it because it had a lot of O's. But, um, not a lot of edges. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and... Uh, I don't think we were thinking much further than, you know, a few weekends away when, you know, the band probably wouldn't be playing together anymore. Cause that's what happened when we were kids, you know, they bounced from band to band. Oh, we lost, we lost Robbie's audio. Hang on. Let me see. We can fix it back up here. Ah, uh, yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to stick with it though, guys. We're going to stick with it. I, uh, What's your favorite Google Doll song. My, that's what I wanted to talk about. And if Robbie comes back on. I'm back. All right. And we're back. And <laughs> Demi just asked me my favorite Goo Goo Dolls song while we were waiting. And I was about to answer my favorite Goo Goo Dolls song is Black Balloon. And, oh, and the, there is a live version of Black Balloon on here. I think it's from the AOL sessions, which was a whole different thing. I actually kind of mm. loved the AOL sessions when I was a kid. Uh, um, cause there really wasn't a lot like that. Now there's tons of every blog has their own session, acoustic, whatever kind of thing, but that didn't happen. And, and the version of black balloon that's on this rarities album has a lot of piano in it, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, the more, the more acoustic versions that we did kind of with yeah. that a lot, you know, the funny thing about AOL was, uh, AOL and Warner brothers kind of had a relationship like, and that I believe AOL owned, the, owned them, I believe, uh, yeah. for for a while. So we were sort of like uh, first in on a lot of that stuff that was going on with the internet. Um, you know, and I remember- and it kind of coincided with your surge with the Goo Goo Dolls. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and and you know, there's a whole other side of that, you know, like, um, you know, uh, with, with with fans being able to get together and such, but that's, but that's kind of another different thing. But- um, you know, uh, we were put in a lot of circumstances where we weren't quite sure about it. Like, you know, we get a call and say, hey, we want to give away your first single. And we were like, <laughs> you know, hey, that's a great idea. Aside from the fact that, like, that's how we, like, you know, make, make money, money and stuff. Yeah, you know, and 
it was stuff that we didn't really understand at the time. And but I guess looking back in retrospect, you know, the folks that were involved, um, you know, with putting that whole thing together, kind of had a pretty decent idea of kind of where they were going with things. So, but uh, yeah, you know, uh, being in that kind of initial surge, you know, of the internet and such was kind of a big thing for us because, you know, we, I, at the time, I guess we were blogging. I don't, I don't think really, we knew really that we were doing that. We were just sort of doing updates daily, you know, over, over the internet. And, uh, you know, we had places where people could get together and talk and, you know, now, you know, 20 some years later, you know, we're driving around and still seeing people who have, you know, gotten together and had relationships, you know, long term relationships with people that, you know, they met, you know, through the group and stuff like that. And I think that was something that really didn't happen a lot you know, before the internet came around. So that was, it was kind of an exciting time to be coming out. Yeah. We, we interviewed Matt Pryor from the get up kids uh, earlier in the week. Um, and he talked about, he, they did a tour that was actually sponsored by Napster, which yeah. is kind of a strange thing. And uh, so you were also in addition to like being, having the internet at your disposal as you're making these hit singles, you also had to deal with the piracy thing, I guess. Was well, that we were, yeah, we, we, yeah, well, we were the headliners on the mp3.com tour. I don't know if you just, remember that. Yeah. Just like, yeah, that was like before Napster. That was right, right before Napster, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We were like the headline band, you know, and, and, uh, you know, they kind of like, moved us around from college campus to college campus. And like our show was, you know, was great because they were college campuses, you know, but what it sort of started to dawn on people was they weren't sure how to make money because all people were doing was stealing music on their websites, you know? And uh, so, um, yeah, you know, it was interesting that, you know, we were able to sort of see mp3.com deal with what they became, you know, as to what they seemed to think they were when, you know, it started out. And, um, right. you know, but I think, uh, you know, once again, I think more good was done, you know, for us, you know, as far as, you know, our fan base and such, you know, and, and uh, just the ability for people to, you know, discover who our band was, you know, then all the downsides, you know, that, that uh, came with it as well. Yeah. Going back to like your first commercial success name, did it feel to you and the band like overnight success? Well, that, I mean, was, we had been, your, that was like your sixth album, seventh album, something like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, fifth or something like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we were we were way into like it. Commercial, had, like commercial, one of your yeah, exactly. yeah. Well, uh, commercially, that was certainly our our first success. We mm -hmm. we had a single that we had uh, done with a guy from a band called The Replacements, Paul Westerberg. And called uh, "We Are the Normal," and that song got a little bit of airplay. But uh, yeah, I mean, name, you know, we go play shows in towns, and and uh, you know, <laughs> a lot of people from the office that knew our song would come hear us play, and you know, we proceed to paste them against the back wall of the venue until uh, you know we played name, and they you know knew one of the songs we played. But um, yeah, you know, I do think that that was, uh, I mean, that was definitely the point where things turned turned. Uh, a corner for us because when i think of the google all sound what really like helped what really pushed you up was you kind of switched out the electric guitar for the acoustic guitar as the lead instrument 
And that's kind of when I think of what the Goo Goo Dolls, what the sound, quote unquote, sound is, is you did these rock songs, but where the electric guitar would be, you replaced it with acoustic that's in my head i know i'm oversimplifying but <laughs> yeah i mean I, I think it was something we always did yeah um you know even from the very beginning you know it was, it was a it was an element but we sort of discovered that <laughs> well number one more people bought our records and we did that kind of thing i think we discovered sure. you know the other thing i think we discovered you know along the way was that um, you know, you can derive power from an awful lot of places. And I think, you know, we, for a long time, we thought that power came from, you know, a wall of Marshall amps and mm -hmm. such. And, uh, you know, but there's power that, uh, you know, comes from some unlikely places. And I think that those are the things we like to explore now. You're from, you're a Buffalo band. There's not a ton of Buffalo, famous Buffalo bands. Mm -hmm. In fact, when I was, there's all these different variations of your, how to pronounce your last name on the internet. <laughs> and, and I found the clip, you guys played a New Year's show in Buffalo. And I found a clip of the Buffalo local news anchor interviewing you. And I was like, if the local Buffalo news anchor doesn't <laughs> have the right pronunciation, then I just give up. So <laughs> I don't use it all that often. So <laughs> I usually stick to my first name. <laughs> yeah. Um, so tell us about, you know, your kind of your lasting connection to Buffalo as one of the few big famous bands to come out of that city. Yeah, you know, it's funny The this region's actually produced a lot of groups over the years, you know, um, 10,000 Maniacs with James, Ani DeFranco, Every Time I Die, Cute Is What We Aim For, Aqueous, I mean, like there's Mo. like, I mean, there's lots and lots of groups. You sound like me spouting Kansas City bands, I'm from Kansas yeah. City, and every time someone's like, who's from Kansas City? I'm like, listen, Paul Rutgers, yeah. <laughs> you know, from Kansas City, so yeah, I feel you, I feel you. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's a lot of bands from here, but, um, you know, I think uh, a lot of bands don't tote the fact that they're from here. You know, we that was for some reason a big selling point for this band early on. You know, people were people were very uh, uh, like, "Wow, they're from Buffalo." Wait a minute, you know, there's not a lot that comes from Buffalo. You know, losing yeah. losing yeah, uh, you know, football teams that lose the Super Bowl and chicken wings and and, and lake what they and lake effect snow. Yeah, lots of that. Yeah, yeah, I. Uh, it's it's funny you have you you guys have a version of take me out to the ball game on your rarities <laughs> live and you're laughing at like so tell us why there's a version of take me out to the ball game on your rarities album uh because we got hired by major league baseball it was us aretha franklin um gosh i'm trying to think of who else it was uh i can't remember but like it might have been like Katie Lang or something like that. Like it was just this oddball group of people. And uh, they had us come. And I remember we went to Electric Lady Studios in, in uh, New York City. And uh, we're in there like recording this cover of Take Me Out to the Ball Game. And I, I, I remember going, God, this, you know, we we're in John's apartment at the time here in Buffalo. And we're like, how are we going to make this cool? You know? <laughs> it's, very, it's very, very difficult. But, uh, you know, he kind of went minor on it and we were like, oh, wait a minute. That's that's sort of weird, you know. And uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, and we ended up doing a video. They, you know, they shut, you know, they shut down a, a, a stadium somewhere and they had a bunch of ball players out there. And uh, yeah, it was fun. Man. It was an, you know, it's an experience. We've, we've done some crazy things. You were like a big baseball <laughs> player or something or maybe, no. you had like, you know, no. uh, no, uh, guy, look, we don't guy, know much about guy, sports. The guy from uh, 
the guy from Guided by Voices was like a college pitcher and pitched a no hitter. So you know, you never know, you know, what kind of uh, what kind of things people have going on. Yeah, no, John and I played guitars, drank beer, <laughs> chase chase girls around. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> you guys are working on your thirteenth studio album now. I guess the rarities album is kind of like the holdover They people like to put out live albums and stuff as kind of appetizers between albums. So your 13 album in 13 albums in, what do you do that you have to have this fan base that you have to sing songs that the fan base will like, but you also don't want to sound stale. So after all these years, how do you approach a new album? Um, I just think based on, how we're going to be able to get an album out that time. I don't know. It's, you know, like um, this record, we did a lot differently than the last three or four. Um, there were a lot of co-writes on the last few records. There were a lot of uh, different producers. This time we went to a studio in Woodstock, New York in an old church and we just sat in there and recorded for two and a half months and left with a dozen songs. We haven't done that in probably 20 years. So, so I think this record will be a little bit different from the last, but it's funny, we finished Miracle Pill. We went out and toured a few months and, uh, you know, COVID hit and, you know, that was a year and a half ago now. So it almost feels as though we never toured on that record. You know, we, you know, we canceled our summer tour, postponed it one more time till next year. So, you know, it's sort of feels like it, touring wise, you know, it's sort of a lost, it sort of became a lost album or something like that. Being a band for so long, being, being a band for 20 years, how has it been to see, to not just grow up with one another, but to see you guys transform into this legendary band? I don't know. I mean, I guess if you're doing it right, you're too busy to really think about that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you know, we try to keep busy. You know, we even through the pandemic here, we were pretty busy. You know, we, we did a Christmas album and, um, you know, went around doing a lot of quarantines and such, you know, so we could do TV performances and parades and, you know, everything that we, that they were doing, um, you know, while that time was going on. But I just think, um, I think it's cool to see what a band can kind of turn into if they allow themselves, you know, not to get stuck in something. And, you know, that's what we've been trying to do for a really long time. Um, you know, the band of 1986 is nearly, you know, unrecognizable from the band of 2020, but, you know, it's still us and, you know, we're still there doing it. And I think, you know, as a 50 some year old man here, you know, um, I don't feel like I'm out there trying to prove to people that I can play those songs that we wrote when we were 20, you know, like they, it doesn't feel like that pressure is on us because we're always going to drag those songs along with us because people love to hear them. But at the same time, <laughs> that's very nice. But, <laughs> but at the same time, I think, um, you know, uh, you know, we were able to move on and, and, uh, you know, feel like that's a, a, a valuable part of our past, you know, and, uh, sort of like that learning process that allowed us to become a band that does what we do now, but perhaps a little bit differently than a lot of the bands that do the kind of thing we do. Kind of going off of that, Robbie, you know, you guys, you and John have had different drummers and different touring musicians and people like that associated with the band, but it's always just been you two. Um, 
why do you think you guys have stayed together for so long and why musically you still work after all these years? Um, I think it's like what I said earlier. We just do our best to find what the process is going to be at that particular moment to be able to make a record and to be able to have a life at the same time. Like that's part of it too. You know, like so many people run so hard at something and then the whole rest of their life falls apart and they wonder why they can't keep doing that one thing. You know, it's, you know, you have to watch out, you, you know, there's, there's, there's parts of your egos that need to be stroked. There's parts of your, your create creativity that need to be exposed and hidden. And, you know, if you pay attention to all those things and um, service them correctly and be able to have a, you know, a family and such, you know, and, and a few things going on on the outside. So you don't go nuts, you know, like, you know, you can do this for a long, long time. As long as yeah. you're lucky, as long as you're lucky enough to have people, interested in what you're doing and 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 that's probably the most fortunate thing. who's the diva of the group <laughs> not me <laughs> <laughs> well i feel like john is famous for his hair before yeah. before robbie's got great hair but john's <laughs> hair is like a whole different thing so that's a whole different level man yeah it's, like, it's got it's like a, it's like, it should have a trademark next to it, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> absolutely. The John Resnick logo would be just like the side webs, like the, the whole system. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, now, there Robbie, you you're, 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 you're a uh, famous bassist. There's not a whole lot of, you know, like bassists don't get enough love. So we've prepared a little rapid fire bassist game for you that we like to play right now. Okay. Some questions about being a bassist. So okay. what? All right, Robbie, all bass version of What's Your Deal, the game we play here on It's Real with Jordan and Demi. So first question, just think, go to the fir first thing that comes to your head, just, just spout it out. What was the make and model of your first bass? Uh, it was a Kingston uh, Fender Precision copy. And who's your favorite bassist of all time? Uh, Gene Simmons. Interesting answer. Interesting answer. Didn't expect that. Um, if you could play bass in any band, past or present, who would it be? Goo Goo Dolls. Oh, yeah. nice answer. Love that one. Yeah. All right. Um, what's the first thing you look for when buying a new bass? Uh, durability. Uh, you know, um, that's a funny question because normally I would have just said I use one sort of bass. Like that's sort of how it's been for most of my life. I would find something I liked and I would stick with it. But just recently I've been playing a lot with uh, old Hoffner basses and I've been playing with um, some uh, hollow body, uh, hollow body K bass I used a lot on this. So I think what I'm looking for now on a bass is probably a little bit different than I was for most of my life. But durability uh for a tour for sure i have i have a, i i have a ample supply of awesome yamaha bb bases that i use so. nice nice good answer thank thanks for giving us a little insight into the bass player's mindset <laughs> <laughs> i thought you were going to ask me about like locking my like like locking the keys in the car and you know taking oh. four four hours to get the bass player out <laughs> Yeah, you know, like no, those kind making, of... this is all bass love. <laughs> uh, do you name your bases? 
Uh, no, but I number them oddly, and uh, I also have color coded bases because. So bases when you're on tour, when you're on tour, I'm sure you have some kind of base tech or something with you. Yeah. You you say, give me the number three or get me a number four. Or could you change the strings out of the number four? Is that kind of the way the way it works? No, no, I'll say, give me like an orange one. My orange bases are tuned to D. My my black bases are tuned to E. Like oh, so. The, so, so yeah. So on the song. That's okay. it. You got it. So, so it's so, just the so, key of the bass. So, so give me now. Dimmy's a guitar player. Dimmy's in a band, but I don't know this kind of stuff. So when you're seeing a band and they change out a guitar or a bass in between songs, it's often because that song is in a different key and they want and that bass is like pre-tuned. Is that is that the is that the reason for that? <laughs> My band, uh, we were never school players, so we learned how to make our songs sound interesting by tuning our guitars all over the place. Mm. So so when we switch guitars, ninety eight percent of the time. We're actually switching guitars because it's tuned differently and 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 it's or it's set up differently or it's strung differently. But uh, most bands, it's just they want you to see how many cool guitars they got. Okay, I'm, that's what yeah. I thought it was. You know, <laughs> especially when you like yeah. when you bring out like the really cool red shiny guitar for a song. It's like, oh, oh wow, okay. Um, if you could play another instrument other than bass in a band, what would you play? Uh Funny that you ask. I've been taking lessons on this thing. Wow! <laughs> Upright bass. <laughs> you, you know, you don't. That is awesome. And you know, you know how funny this is. This, this was not. This is not pre-planned. Our last question for this for this uh, round of what your deal is. Do you ever see yourself switching to upright bass oh, and forming a jazz trio? No, I don't. As a matter of fact, I didn't play upright bass on our Christmas record because I don't know how, and that's why I'm learning how as we speak. So, so jazz trio probably not, uh, but upright bass at some point. I played a little bit on our new record actually, so perhaps. But uh, I'm learning. I'm learning. This is like this is like taming like a wild monster. You know, like mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm used to a, a, a regular bass. It's, you know, I've now I, my whole assume, life. I assume Robbie, because you're a big famous bass player, that that's <laughs> not, that that's not a $300 upright bass you bought off Craigslist, that that's probably no. something a little nicer than that. It's yeah. a good one. It's a good one. It's good. One. It's, it's much, much better than what I deserve at this particular <laughs> juncture of for, my For play. a beginner upright player. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right, Robbie, thank you so much for joining us on the show. We really appreciate it. Uh, the new album, the Rarities album is out tomorrow. And do you have any timetable for the actual LP, the new LP? Uh, no, not right now. I know that we're going to be on tour again in, tw in, in 2022, starting in July or June or something like that. So yeah, definitely. Won't that feel good? Won't that feel good to be have that summer uh, here? Oh, my God. My, my, my friends play in this Kiss cover band, right? And uh, last night they did a show here in Buffalo for about 2000 people. And I, I had sung a, a hard luck woman on, on, on a charity record they did a couple years ago. And so I went out and actually sang a song with these guys last night. And man, I, I was almost honest to God, I was getting choked up, man. I was like, Oh my God, I miss this so much, you know, I bet. but we got, yeah, but we got a few shows coming up. We're doing a show with cheap trick soon. Ooh. One of my favorite bands. Yeah. So That'd be cool. That'll yeah, cool. so that's yeah, so that's exciting. And Summerfest in Milwaukee, you know, just a few dates here and there. It was it was too hard to put a full tour together. Um, sure, you know, like the like the the uh, 
the restrictions in every state are different and such now. So we decided the best thing to do was put it off till next year. So, but uh, yeah, but man, yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> I just can't wait. Gullo viewer comment, can't wait to own the new Rarities album. Don't change. Don't change, Robbie. Whatever you do, don't change. <laughs> All right. Okay. And by the way, don't change it. You got the version of don't change in excess on this uh, Rarities oh, yeah. album, right? Good time. Uh, yeah. Nice little, nice little bow on the end of this. Yeah, okay. yeah. All right. We will talk to you later, Robbie. Thanks a lot. Awesome. Thank you guys. That was a lot of fun. All right. That was Robbie Takek of the Goo Goo Dolls. Legend. Your new Rarities album is out tomorrow. Do you mean anything else for the people you want to say before we leave? We love you. We love you. All right. <laughs> we'll talk to you later, guys. Thank you.